Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rudman. And finally, finally we are to our first episode on application in this really, really long series on manhood and womanhood. <laughs> finally, we're, we're here, and we've been kind of alluding to this application section uh, for quite a while. I think we probably got over 20 hours, probably certainly over 20 hours of content in just walking through the Bible on this this ongoing discussion on manhood and womanhood. So if you're new to the series, you're just popping in on this episode right now. Uh, we've done a number, maybe 12, 13, 14 episodes. I don't I don't know exactly anymore. Uh, you know, hour and a half, two hour episodes on this this topic of manhood and womanhood. Started in Genesis, uh, looked at Genesis one through three, looked at the creation, uh, walked through the Old Testament, went through the Gospels, went through Acts, went through all those New Testament uh, uh, epistle passages that speak s- explicitly about the roles of men and women in, in the church and in the home. And so we just did a deep dive uh, into the scriptures, and we put all the pieces on the table. That's basically what we were trying to do. We were trying to put all the biblical uh, pieces on the table so that when when we get to this, this discussion now on application, uh, we know what the Bible says. Okay, this is what the Bible says about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. And now we can finally uh, talk about how we are to live today. Uh, and so that's where we've been. And, and finally, you know, we're to that point. How do we live today? And, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully you realize, well, maybe you don't, but we can't be, Dan and I can't be super specific on how you as an individual need to live your life in your very unique circumstance. You know, the, the issue is is that every single one of us has a very unique set of circumstances. Um, where we were raised, you know, how old we are, uh, how much debt we have, where we went to school, what our career opportunities are. Are, uh, are we single? Are we married? Are we divorced? Are we a single parent? Do we have kids? Do we not have kids? Uh <sighs> I mean, the list can go on and on and on and on and on. Do, and on do we come? Do we come from the country or do we come from an urban world? Right? Yeah. Did you grow up in New York City or did you grow up in the middle of North Dakota? You know, yeah. makes, are you a rancher? Yeah. Or are, you, yep. are you a school teacher? It's like, yep. man, on and on and on and on. And that's not to say that we can't give some <clears throat> general principles of how you should live today as a man or as a woman. And hopefully as we get into some of these subsequent episodes on application, you start to get a, a general gauge of, okay, yeah, this is probably the direction that I should be going. Uh, but we're not going to tell you specifically this is the only way or this is exactly what you have to do uh, because, unfortunately, we all come from such diverse backgrounds and have such diverse circumstances that I can't prescribe a very specific way to live life. But there is certainly, if you've been listening to this series, there certainly is a lot of biblical truth and principles and theology that that ground and, and serve as the bedrock for every decision that we make now as a man or as a woman. So there certainly are things you just can't do. And I've said it already, over and over and over again in these episodes. It's just very clear. A woman can't be a pastor of a church. That's just very clear. So you might ask the question, hey, can can a woman, you know, preach and teach from the pulpit on a, on a, on Sunday service? No. <laughs> so that's a, that's a very simple application that there, so there are some very clear, you know, black and white can do this, can't do this. Um, 
But when it comes to the dynamic of career choices and how you make your money and where you send your kids to school and do you homeschool, certainly Dan and I will will have our, I would say, kind of a strong leaning. Like you really got to consider this. You really got to think about this way in which you live your life today um, for a number of reasons. But uh, I can't just say well, if you send your kids to public school, you're sinning. <laughs> I can't say that, and I'm not going to say that. Uh, but yet, certainly, there's the reality of the way in which our country is going and the way in which uh, our public education system is structured and, and some of the curriculum that's being taught, well, a lot of the curriculum that's being taught to kids, that would that starts to constrain the answer to where, you know, I'm going to be very, 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 very uh, adamant that, hey, maybe you think about not sending your kids to public school. <laughs> but again, all this is to say that when you start to have a discussion and start to ask yourself questions, how should I live now? How should I lead my family? What should I do with my kids? How should I operate with my wife or if you're a woman with my husband? Things like that. What should I do for a career? What type of job should I have? All these questions have to be filtered through what Dan and I are just going to call an eternal perspective, you know, an eternal perspective theology, you could say. Uh, and the question really is, you know, if you're a Christian, and again, we're talking to Christians, we're not talking to the non-believer. Uh, you know, I, I kind of think of, of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 5, am I to judge the, the unbeliever? You know, I, I, you know, no. Like, well, they're a non-believer, they well, don't know Christ. Well, Sam, can I qualify that just a little bit? Yeah, qualify that, yep. Well, you would be speaking to the unbeliever because this is actually, the truths of God are true for everybody. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but but obviously we know the audience here, in particular, for the most part, are going to be Christians. And as right. cr- Christians, you need to seriously step into the Word of God if you say you're a follower of Christ. I mean, legitimately, if you are, I hope you have an affection to love God, you love His Word, you love who He is then you really need to seriously consider what these sort of things we're talking about. <clears throat> yep. And and if can I jump in here real quick just jump in. Okay. Jump in. All right. Well, I would say this. What part of part of it is as I'm listening to you that I, I sometimes wonder if people understand like we're not two guys sitting here trying to squash women. Like <laughs> I mean, I know if somebody heard one little segment of this, they're going to run. But you got to even yep. think, why is it like that? Like, I had a wife and four daughters. The last thing I want to do is squash them. I really don't. Right. And, but the point in all that is simply like when you said why we lean strongly or we're suggesting things strongly. Well, part of that is we're pushing back against something. Mm-hmm. Because there's this other tsunami that I wish Christians could understand. And that would be like, you guys have to understand that. That starting in the beginning of the garden, you have Adam and Eve, and we've said this in other places, okay? So I'm just kind of running it over again for the sake of this application. But God, yep. God comes in and creates Adam, and we could have that whole discussion. I'm not going to rehash it right now. But Adam is to proclaim truth, to speak truth in the world. The truth is the way God made things, the truths that God gives him, revelation. And he is to live out the truth. That's, yep. he's, he's been made, created to do that. And when he's in concert with that, remember, this is all pre-fall, when he's in concert with that, like, God is glorified, and I hate this word because people are using it in all sorts of contexts, but let me just use it. He flourishes, okay? You could say human flourishing, Mm -hmm. and people are using that, but don't go to the modern way. Just, he becomes everything he was supposed to be. Yep. 
And it's the same thing for the woman. If she steps into what God has created, what God has said, she lives out what God has done, she glorifies God and in it finds her identity, finds her flourishing. She would never have a question like, oh, I should do something different. It would be like, wow, right? Okay, well, so it's proclaiming truth, living truth, Adam and Eve. And of course, at the end of the day, this means proclamation of the gospel. It means standing up for God, speaking the truth of God, all of that stuff, you know? Yep. We're the lighthouse. Well, you have to understand then in the scriptures, there really is this warfare. We could have, sometime maybe we do a podcast on that, but... You know, you think of Ephesians 6, we wrestle not with, you know, princi- uh, or, or with flesh and blood. Flesh I mean, and they, blood. These are principalities. There's real spiritual forces. You go to 2 Corinthians 10. Again, I know I'm going over it real quickly, but this one's a big one for me. Is like there's these fortresses that stand against God, these ideologies, these systems of thought that stand against God, and we are to take them down and yep. bring, bring everything to the obedience of Christ. You go look that up, yep. 2 Corinthians 10. You'll see it, 3 through 5. You'll see Ephesians 6. Well, there's always this warfare going on in the backdrop of life. It's this cosmic battle. And yep. so speeding again, in the, the sake we're trying to head somewhere here, but speeding quickly, then you have to understand that you're living in a society that is not neutral. It's not neutral. There are, are though there are a number, we could break it down and say there are two fundamental ways of coming at coming at life that are in complete collision and war in here in the west united states of america 2021 and it's the biblical christian worldview and then what we would call you could call it a secular worldview it's a view that there is no god everything's just natural and even in that worldview, somebody might say, oh, no, I'm a Christian or I believe spiritual. Yeah, but the things that you're believing, the ideas that you're dabbling with in life don't come from a biblical Christian worldview. Right. And so a simple one that's going on right now, people may not know this, but I'll just say it quickly. Like like when the Declaration, Declaration when the Constitution, Declaration of Independence Constitution was written, in the backdrop of all those people's minds was the transcendent. That means there was a higher, something higher than even the writing on the table. And it, yep, this writing, this law, I'm not calling it divine or sacred. I'm simply saying that they all believed there was a thing called truth. They all believed there was a thing called justice and it was outside of us. Yep. It, w- it was imposed on us from an outside world. Yep. Something, okay? Now, a Christian would say, oh, no, it's a personal infinite God. You know, a Jewish person would say, Oh, it's a, it's a personal God, but not in Christ. I mean, we could have that. There would be that debate, but there was always a sense of transcendence. And yep. so literally in your political realm today, you have to understand that that's what's going on in our country. This is the battle. Some people that go to the Constitution really don't see it as this backdrop that supports it, this backdrop right. of transcendence. So it's just, a, it's just a document to be dabbled and twisted and do what you want with it. Well, if, yep. you're, if you come to the table and you want to have an argument with somebody about something important, but they don't have the same view of that authority that you have, this is actually the conflict. You can't get anywhere because you're, you're talking two different directions. You're not, you're not talking mm-hmm. the same thing. Well, this is what's happening. So what we're trying to say is that everyone listening to this right now has grown up in a world, and especially, say, uh, everybody's grown up in it, but especially, say, the age of 60 down, and increasingly 50 down, 40 down, 25 down. Yeah. You have been indoctrinated in a complete way of thinking and a complete system of thought, whether you know it or not. And it's not just believing in Jesus and attaching it to that what you think is a neutral way of thought. You've got to shape and develop that way of thinking. 
mm-hmm. to be godly, to walk with God, to, to glorify God, to speak of God. And I'm going to tell you, to, to flourish in this life that he created. Mm-hmm. And so what we're pressing here, why this is so important to Sam and I, is that this is not about some guys putting women in their place, which somebody probably thinks out there. It's, it's so dumb to me. It's like, no. Yeah. This is one of those main areas of attack. It was an attack in the garden. It's an attack in our culture today. Is what does it mean to be, first of all, human? And secondly, what's it mean to be a human person, male or female? And you guys know, just look around. I keep telling everybody, just look around. Transgender, the, the homosexuality issues, identity, people not sure who they are, the, the chemicals young girls are taking to, to grow whiskers. I mean, it's devastating. This is all the result of, if, you, if I could call it, this worldview or really almost like a social experiment that started 30 years ago that completely jacked up with the idea, screwed up the idea of God being the one that created this. And so anyway, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of ranting here, but my point is that's why if people sense in us a pushback, it is because we're trying to push back going, no, 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 God actually has a better way. Yeah. And, and so to this introduction, to all this application we're going to go into, probably our concern, and we bring it up, we say it in, in some of the application, but some of that we've already recorded and it's all going to be put together really nicely here for everybody. But we're really not trying to say it has to look exactly like this. Yeah. Though we do lean towards things, you'll hear us. You t- hear me talk with my wife and another couple where we homeschooled our kids. Though some of us did a little homeschooling and some other other kind of schooling, and we're yep. not we're after something beyond the perfect prescription. And we're saying you've got to think this through. And I just don't believe most Christians have sat down and really thought through an entire biblical theology of manhood and womanhood. Right. And so there's young men and women, men and women, 25 years of age that are hearing this right now. And you just have this assumption of women having a career, get your master's, get your PhD, get a job, make money. That's just an assumption. And we're pushing on that going, is that really the right assumption? Right. Maybe not. In fact, I'd say in a lot of cases, it's not. You you actually have been drinking the water of something that told you that. And that may not be what God's saying at all. (laughs) And that's a scary thing. Yeah. And so you have to stop and at least take time to say, I really need to think this through. Yeah. And then once you've thought this through, like Sam said, the pieces are on the table. I don't know. You, maybe you got that from me. That's how I always think of this stuff. You yep, gotta put I got the, it from you. Okay. Let's put all the pieces on the table, first of all, and then say, with these pieces on the table. And I think to your point, Sam, people are going to go, men and women are going to go, huh? Maybe I need to rethink what it really means to be a man and how I live that in this world. And, and I hope yeah. women think, hmm, maybe I need to rethink about this. And that's, right. what we're, that's what we're trying to press you because I guarantee you, you need to think, rethink about it because the secular... Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no way that you've gone, you've grown up in this country, and if mm-hmm. you, especially if you went into the, if you were in the public school system, you know, went to high school, public school, went to college, public school, you've drank in some of the water. Oh, but... Without but, a doubt. Well, Sam, here... Even homeschooling or Christian school, I'm around it all. Yeah. You, you, you don't realize. You can't escape it. You can't escape it. It's going to affect you. I guarantee you. I don't care who you are listening right now. You say, well, oh, I grew up in a really Christian school, a really conservative. I'm telling you, you've listened to music. You've watched movies. You're with your peers. Yep. One degree or another, this actually has had an effect on you. And you yep. can't just blindly walk along. You have, to, you have to be sober, vigilant. There's lots of biblical and other passages I could show you. Watch, open your eyes, wake up, O sleeper. There's all these passages where God's going, pay attention, look around yep. you. 
have a critical, not a critical spirit, but have a critical mind that says, huh, I need to question this. Why are we doing this? Yep. Right? Okay. So I'm sorry. I don't know. Oh, no, that's great. Oh, okay. man, I'm glad yeah. you did that. Yeah. But that's exactly right. So any anything, any type of, uh, you know, question that you have, this is what we're trying to get at right now. Because what we're going to do, just kind of show you where we're going um, in the future now is uh, in a matter of minutes here, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, we're, gonna, we're going to play an interview. Um, that we already recorded, Dan and, and his wife Tina, uh, and then another couple that Dan, that you and Tina are very good friends yeah, with, yeah. Uh, G- um, Gabe and Missy. Yep. Gabe and Missy. Yep. Uh, we're going to cut to them and this interview that we conducted. And, you know, here, these are two couples that, you know, have kids. Dan's raised his kids. They're already, he's, Dan's already a grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and so they've, they've done it. They, they've homeschooled or they're currently yep. homeschooled, and Gabe and Missy are currently homeschooling. Um, and Gabe and, and Missy, Gabe and Missy's kids are teens. They're teens, teens yep. So they're so almost done they're, it. they're not quite twenty years behind us, but 16, 17 years behind us. Yep. So they representing yep. another another movement, another almost generation. And then in addition, right. addition to that, Gabe and Missy do a lot of counseling and ministry with college students. Yep. Literally yep. every every exactly. week that every week they're answering these kinds of questions of relationships and stuff. So yeah. Yep. So that's where we're going. We're going to have the interview. I think about an hour long, maybe a little over an hour. Uh, and then we're going to have another interview uh, with a, a man named Aaron Wren. Uh, Aaron Wren is uh, the founder of The Masculinist. Uh, I really encourage you just to, to look up The Masculinist. It's a podcast. It's a newsletter. Go to his website. I think it's just themasculinist.com. Um, if you just search The Masculinist, you'll find it. And he has a lot of cool insight about how to live as a man today um, in today's culture. And so we're, we're going to go. That will be the next episode. So two interviews in a row. Um, and this is just as an introduction, in a sense, to those interviews, um, yeah. which and, will kind of serve as our main application. Yeah, and by the way, I mean, you'll, you'll pick up on it. I just want to, it just comes to my mind right now. Um, Aaron actually said that when you, I forget the, how you asked the question, but he doesn't like to be ter- uh, necessarily prescriptive. Like, here's the answer to your question. Here's what you go right. do. He wants to be the same thing, like lay these principles out. And he comes at it from yep. like sociology and culture. It's really kind of fun. Yep. Like, yeah. like comes to the same conclusions that we do lay out in the Bible, but he's just looking statistically. He's looking at the culture saying, hey, yep. you can see all this out there. And, right. and then he, uh, and, and again, um, with 20 hours of Sam and I, there's no doubt that if people listen to all of us, you can tell some of our leanings, some of our tipping our hands to what we would probably try to counsel somebody towards you know, an application, but we would want to be careful, as you already said, of saying, oh, no, that's, that's the same for everybody. No, 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 no. We're just, we're trying to give examples most of the time of what this looks right. like, what of what this looks like and what you have to decide you want to do, right? Where you yeah. want to end up. Yeah, right. So. And, and kind of the fundamental question again, that this eternal perspective theology, where are you going to lay, where are you going to lay your treasure up at? Where yep. are you going to store your treasure up at? Are you going yeah. to store your treasure in heaven or are you going to store your treasure on earth? Are you going to look to the things that are seen, or are you going to look to the things that are unseen? Yeah. You know, faith. Faith is a conviction of the things unseen. Uh, we look to heaven. We look to Christ in heaven. We look to the the next life. We look to heaven. Uh, we look to the promises of glorification and perfection, and, and we go. That's where my hopes at. That's where my life's at. That's where I'm living for. That's what I'm living for. I'm not living for this earth. And often this whole question, because it, it seems like. A, a lot of this today revolves around career. Well, can a woman have a career? Well, I, I want to first ask the question before I say yes or no. I want to ask the question, why? Meaning, okay, and ask the same thing for a guy. Why do you want to have this job? Why? Yep. yep. 
ask it to anybody. Ask it to a guy, ask it to a girl, ask it to anybody. Why do you want to have this job? Yep. And if your answer is, well, because I want to, you know, make this amount of money and get this type of house and get this car and go on these amount of vacations and do this and do that and, and get a retirement and store this up and blah, 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 blah. And it's all about the, and, and the whole answer is everything to do with the here and now, the things that are seen, the things that are perishing. Well, let well, me, that's let me, an issue. Well, let me add another one to you that people, oh, this is my passion. I mean, we can yeah, go, yeah. I'm going to go, well, wait a minute. There's a lot of passions that we all have that aren't necessarily right. Yeah. What if my, what if my passion is murdering people? Right. I mean, you're going, <laughs> I know that's a stark contrast, but that's, you're making a, point. well, that's a bad passion, <laughs> but you're making that's a that's wrong. But you see, even that, even that statement, Sam, again, it's probably come up in other podcasts, but it's this. It's this biblical idea that actually was held in most of history, of human history. And again, you'd have to survey that, and we've already talked about this. But the idea is that the pattern for me, the pattern for Dan is outside of me. That is, yeah. God, God gives it to me, uh, imposes, uh, he gives, it, he gives my, me a family, he puts me in the church, he calls me to himself. And in, in my, who I become, my identity and who I become conforms to this outside transcendent reality. But we're mm -hmm. living in a time for the last, I don't know, i got to look some time. Um, I've been reading and listening. It might even be the last 40 years, certainly the last 30. And so any, a lot of your podcasts have grown up in this. But it had a whole different focus. It was known as the psychological or ther therapeutic self. And it, the, yep. it was all from the inside out. Yep. You see? The point yep. is, is the biblical view is not the inside out. And I'm just lending my hand. That's why this idea of what's my passion Um the goal isn't to figure out what your passion is. The goal is to get in step with God. Right. And, and, uh, the, and there's another lie there too. The, the lie is that if I do what I'm passionate about, I will find joy and happiness. Yeah, no. And no. When you live according to God's design and live for his glory, then you will find joy. That's, that's what true the, joy is. And that's the crazy thing. That's another whole yeah. thing. If, if your goal is to pursue for example, if you pursue happiness in this modern idea, we're going to go after happiness. I want to be this. You won't find it. It's when no. you, it's when you don't try to find it that you do. That's the well, crazy. Yeah. Thing. Re read the Beatitudes. Yeah, it's 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 blessed, always, blessed, which is the Greek word for really happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are the meek. Happy are the yeah. uh, the sad. Yeah. Happy are the persecuted. You want to find happiness? that's there it is right there yeah. so that would be another whole conversation about this inward outward thing sam and we've touched on it in some of the application but the point being is that um again you, there's this whole wave of of so go to your point why are you doing anything why do you get up in the exactly. you know some, some philosophers would just say why do you get up in the morning yeah really i mean like why do you even get up and that sounds yep. silly i'm not being we're not being harsh we're like literally why do you get out of bed why do you live life yep why why do you do yep. anything that you do? And, and that has to, you have to think that through. Yeah. And, and, and I know that's to you listening that might be like, oh, that's just overly simplistic. I wanted some concrete examples of what I need to do in my life. Uh, and hopefully some of these interviews, you know, that we go into, you know, you'll start to get a gist of what we're saying. But the point is, is like, hey, step one, you realize that your purpose for existence is to glorify God to live for him, to worship him, to know him, to be sanctified if you're a Christian, to store up treasure in heaven, to kill your flesh, to kill this sin, and be holy. That's that's number one. That's the base right there. Now, 
can I do that? Is this career? Is this is this person that I want to marry? Are all these decisions before me now? Which one of them is going to actually be in step with that bedrock of bringing glory to God? And that's application. There it is. It's pretty simple. <laughs> you know, God's he instituted marriage. He instituted the family in the in the before the fall. And he told uh, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Have kids. Part of being married, part of the, in a sense, the divine command of being married is to also have kids, to be fruitful and to multiply. Now, certainly, there's, there's, God is also sovereign over the womb. And sometimes uh, God is sovereign over the fact that uh, a husband and wife may be infertile and they can't have children. We get that. But if a husband and wife are totally fertile and everything's great, they need to have kids. And now that they have kids... Okay, well, there's all these divine commands and principles about how you raise those kids and how you're responsible for the, up, the, the, the upbringing of those kids, to fear the Lord. Now, am I going to, okay, now I have to choose from public school to homeschool. Just simple examples here, simple, simple just decision making. What is going to best foster the raising of these kids to fear the Lord? Is it going to be to give them over to a secular institution to be brainwashed into a worldly ideology. Is that the best way to raise them to fear the Lord? Or is the best way to, uh, to raise them to fear the Lord to homeschool them and teach them what corresponds with the biblical worldview? Now, again, I'm not saying one or the other, but I am saying that the answer seems to be pretty obvious if you stay in the right progression of what you are here on this earth to do. And that's why application really shouldn't be so complicated. Now I know where it gets complicated is when you're 40, 30, 40 years old and you've been totally bought into the lie of the world and you've set your life up in such a way that corresponds to the world and now you come to a realization that you're totally living in a lie and you're totally living wrong but now you have all this all these hindrances well I have this house I have this mortgage I have this car I have all this debt I have all this stuff that's now seems insurmountable okay yeah that's where it gets complicated and I and you know that just that's just the way it is. There's consequences for in this life for for decisions that you make that don't correspond to a biblical worldview. But really, what I want to try to do is I want to try to grab the the young adult. I want to try to grab the 18, 19, 20, 21 year old right now who's in the point in their life where they're able to make decisions that is for the kingdom and not for the king, not for the world, so that they don't find themselves when they're 30, 40 years old with this tsunami against him. So, but, you know, I'm just going to have that be, that, that be the introduction, Dan. You have anything else to say? No, you got it. You nailed it, man. (laughs) Sweet. You know, I know you're probably listening. like, give me some real answers. Just tell me what to do. (laughs) They might get a few. You'll get some. They'll They'll, they'll get a few. And if you listen to all the, if you already listened to all this, the episodes, you got some answers. I was, I, 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 you know, I yeah. certainly jumped the gun on a lot of, in a lot of places and just said, what, <laughs> you, you, so, Sam, you, yeah, you, I know who would have thought <laughs> pre- preach and persuade and you jumped, um, a, you jumped it. <laughs> yep. So yeah. So what, what's going to happen right now is, uh, we're going to jump to an interview, pre-recorded interview. 
Um, so I hope that you enjoy it. Uh, I hope that you uh, are edified by it and are encouraged. And, and hey, maybe you're even uh, convicted a little bit. <laughs> uh, but I uh, hope you enjoy. So thanks for listening. Okay, we're moving into our interview portion of this episode. Uh, so, if you, again, if you're if you're new to this this series, we've been talking about biblical manhood and womanhood. We've we put in about twenty hours of exegetical work, Dan Rudman and I, and and now we're in our time of application, which is kind of exciting. We've been alluding to this time of application for a while now, and so what we're doing, uh, Dan and I decided that hey, let's do let's do some type of interview thing uh, where we you know interview couples. Obviously, we're we're Dan and his wife. Tina are going to be a part of this interview. And then we have another couple, uh, Gabe and Missy uh, Huntinghake. So we have these these couples who have lived life, who have raised children, who have homeschooled, uh, who have uh, really uh, modeled this pattern of biblical manhood and womanhood that Dan and I have been trying to unfold for over 20 hours of content now. And so we're going to just try to be as practical as possible. We're going to we're going to talk about how they live their lives um, and and how they would encourage, you know, young, young men and young women today uh, to to live in this in this world at this time, you know, to the glory of God. And so what we're going to do is introductions. Uh, You guys know Dan, uh, Tina, (laughs) Dan's wife. Why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, Whatever you want to (laughs) say. Well, obviously, I'm Tina, like you said, and we had five children. Well, six, but we got to raise five children. Mm-hmm. I was a nurse, and then, of course, we had our kids, and I decided, well, we decided to stay home and raise those kids and um, yep. chose to homeschool, I guess, yeah. and now they're all grown up, and we're in a new season together. Yeah, so your grandparents. <laughs> yeah, That's we had, true. We now had, we have five grandchildren. Six. Six now. Six yeah, now. we just had another yes. one. Another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have six grandchildren now. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, yep, short introductions. Gabe and Missy, why don't you guys introduce yourself? I I also know, know you guys do some, some ministry stuff with young men and young women and some, you know, premarital counseling stuff. And so why don't you... Uh, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about what uh, you do in ministry as well as to who you guys are. Okay. Um, yeah. So we've been married. Oh, geez, I should have thought of this. 20, 22 and a half years, right? 23 this summer. Uh, we have three kids. Our oldest is uh, almost 20. And then she's our only girl. And then we have two boys that will be coming up on 18 and just turned 15. So um, we're slowly creeping up on that empty nest time frame. But they're all still uh, yeah. right now. Yeah, they're all still here. Yeah. Oh, they are. Teenagers in the house is crazy. Um, <laughs> so I spent, or actually we spent about 10 years in the military after college. Um, left the military and moved back to Lawrence, uh, where we both went to school. Uh, started a business and have been doing that ever since. Um, uh, the ministry side of things... I mean, it was nothing really official. It was, um, we, we were deeply invested in by some families when we were in college, had a lot of experience in the military with some different families as well. And, and also were around a lot of younger, uh, airmen, you know, the younger enlisted side of the air force, uh, in that time. And 
they were always a fun, it's just a fun stage of life to talk through. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of new things you're encountering. It's just they're more open to discussion, it seems, than, than what our peer group was. So um, when we moved back to Lawrence, we wanted to just kind of return the favor, right? Pay it back in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through churches and different opportunities with some folks we met in town that were doing ministry work, started having college students directed our, our way. And college students, um, that time in their life is lots of very heavy relationships. You know, that seems to be what I think probably the majority of college ministry type people end up talking about, you know, who should I date? Who should I marry? Should I marry? Whatever that kind of stuff. And yeah, yeah. I think those questions have changed over the last 10 years probably, Mm -hmm. but, um, Mm -hmm. so it's been a fairly regular topic of conversation for us. Nothing to have all the answers or anything, but Mm -hmm. we can at least ask difficult questions (laughs) and go think about it. Um, yeah, so that pretty much sums us up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the only thing you didn't cover is, um, you know, out of college, I, I, like you said, we both went to KU, both graduated with degrees, but when we, when I I realized I was going to be marrying someone in the military, I did not want to have to pick up and find work every time we moved. And, um, so, and both of us wanted um, me to stay home and, you know, be the primary caregiver of our kids, uh, once they came along, if they did. So I did not pursue anything uh, career wise in that and didn't want to. And there were a variety of things from my past that I witnessed growing up that I did not want to have part of my family. I can get to that later if you want to. Um, but so that's, we, we made a very conscious decision to start out our married life one income. And, and we actually talked mm-hmm. about that, that it would be easier to just start out that way and not yeah. to pull back once we got right. to two incomes. Um, so we did, we, I remember, I, mean, I don't know where we were, but I remember we talked about it. <laughs> um, so, you know, I did odds and in working substitute, you know, things like that before the kids came along. And then, yeah, I think that's the only thing I wanted to add. Yeah, we didn't have a very long period of time either between married and kids. Right. A year and a half, I Mm -hmm. guess, maybe total. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a whole lot of time for her to get established and and different. You know, we weren't in one spot all the time with the military. Even in that period of time, we we were in basically three different locations. So right. uh, Right. There was a lot of extenuating circumstances that made that even easier Mm -hmm. to you know to not get into that kind of two income. Um, you know, just vibe and get used to that. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Kids came fast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> means we're still going to be young when they leave. Right. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this may came up, come up, but I'd like to extrapolate out just a little bit, Missy, because I, both of you guys have this ministry. So if I could just speak to them, I'm, you know, I sit, I asked Sam, I said, hey, I know this couple, I think would be great at this. Um, because you guys have, full life, raising kids, uh, homeschooling, Gabe, your business. And yet an intricate part of your life is ministering to people. I mean, in, I mean, here's Gabe on top of all that. Gabe coaches basketball for the uh, local Christian school. And so they're just engaged all the time. But even with you, Missy, just even recently, right? And this has been going on for a lot of years. You you gather a few women in your home, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And in this case, well, maybe a bunch of athletes, right? right. right. KU. And, 
I mean, regularly you're with these gals. They're getting up early in the morning, coming to have Bible study every week with you, and you're discipling them, right? I mean, just tell a little bit about that. You've, okay. About so, that. Um, so yeah, like Gabe alluded to, when we were um, kind of approached, I mean, both of us were approached to lead a Bible study. Mm, was it seven or eight years ago? I mean, it was it was um, a few years after we had been back in Lawrence. It was probably a good four. Oh, that's not anyway. Um, and so the, the gal that asked me, she said, I play golf at KU. So I have that in my background and she, uh, was also a former athlete and she and I were good friends and we, her and her husband, and we've been good friends and mentoring to, we had like a, uh, they, we did pre-marriage with them and now we're, they have kids and now they just feel like our adult children. We love them and we try and do, you know, birthdays and it's a great relationship but anyway she asked me she said there is this group of ladies these athletes that i know and they are starving and would love to have like a small group would you be willing to lead that and um you know that was goodness how old was everybody so if that was eight years ago you know the kids were like 11 9 and 7 so right in the middle of just homeschool trenches honestly <laughs> but I really prayed about it and um, kind of like Gabe alluded to, we were really mentored in college in our early, you know, two or three years of marriage. And I mean, really just loved on by older families and couples. And I just always had this feeling from the Lord that someday we were going to be able to return that. And someday, I didn't know where, <laughs> but I just, I just had that for a very long time, just had that feeling. And so we prayed about it and I don't know all the details, but I said, yes. And we started. <laughs> and so they have, they, um, so I've been leading women's studies and they've all been athletes, uh, you know, since it's been about eight years now, obviously quite a few of them are gone. You know, they've, they've graduated KU and moved on and the, attendance has evolved based on, as I tell them every year, you know, this is your study girls, you invite your teammates. If you want this to keep going, you invite more teammates next year <laughs> as like we graduate seniors. And so it's just kept going like that. And, and I've also said, whatever the Lord wants to, however he wants to use me, I'm doing that. So this is the smallest group that I've ever had this year. There's only three of them <laughs> and um, two of them are seniors and leaving. So I don't know. We might be done after this year. I might be, hmm. I'm, I don't know. I have no idea what the Lord will do, but so yeah, we meet every week. Uh, like Dan said, you know, there is just something interesting about athletes. They're super uh, dedicated to whatever they set their mind to and they can get up yeah, at six yeah. o'clock in the morning to do a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, I don't know, I think your average college student would not. Yep. Um, it didn't work in the evenings because they were all so tired that they were falling asleep. <laughs> We'd try and do like an 8.30 study and, and that, was, that was a bad idea. So we'd start out, um, for a lot of years we went to Panera because they opened at six. They were the only place yep. in town that was open that early uh, that we could get food, especially for them because they had to go straight to workouts or classes. Um, 
but now it's it's changed over the years sometimes it's at my house sometimes it's you know we're meeting at a different place now uh, on campus or in town and and it varies on what we do we i you know i really i i pray about it i try and do books of the bible majority we've done john i think i've john, done john three or four times <laughs> with the girls and i always have to ask them have i done this one yet with you because i can't remember you know were you a freshman <laughs> when we did this or <laughs> but um anyway and then we I, I have them over to the house as often as i can sometimes it's only a couple times a semester based on their schedule and hours and and gabe has made appearances too like they'll have questions that involve um you know like boyfriends future you know husbands and how to think about things and so yeah gabe's graciously come uh and joined us and let them ask questions to him and that's been pretty sometimes it's been sad some of the things that they tell us of what they're experiencing and men in their lives and we're kind of sad <laughs> at some of those things, but it's been encouraging as well. Um, yeah, done enough. Yeah, I think that's great. Now, kind of a question for both uh, you, Missy, and Tina. These young women that you've you guys administered to over the years, uh, especially today, and in, in you know in the last five to ten years, uh, college age women what do you think is like the the number one thing that that they believe i suppose about life or about their future or about the world or about their femininity that 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 might be wrong or just is totally a product of the culture and society that they live in probably equality that you know we're all the same and we should do the same things and you know Mm -hmm. just that's what I would say would be a biggie. What do you think, Missy? I think a lot. Um, uh, I think the message that I hear from a lot of them, whether they say it clearly or it just kind of comes out, I can just extrapolate what they're meaning. And sometimes we get to it is that like the message that they've been taught through all of their years of school and this and that is that they are going to go out and make a difference in the world, you know, like in their sure. job, <laughs> like it's, it's your responsibility to go make a difference, you know, and that's not at home. <laughs> that's not at home with your husband and with your children that is out somewhere. Um, mm. And that, that's a pretty key theme, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, they're all coming to college because they're here to get a degree for a career. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, that's the whole point. Of right. It's not to find a guy to marry. Well, that happens a lot of times, but mm -hmm. that's not the goal when they get here. Right. Yeah. So I guess, how do you, okay, you have these, these young girls, these college age girls, and they've, they're kind of believing this, this, this cultural thing where I need to get a job. Um, I need to make a difference in this job. How do you start to, counsel them in what we would say is more of a biblical expression of femininity? Um, how do you display the sphere of being a mother um, and a wife who, you know, it, you know, this horrible, this horrible word nowadays, it's, it's almost a curse word, submit a wife who submits to her husband. How do you, how do you start to like <clears throat> present that? It's something that's really good and awesome and amazing. You have them in your home. 
<laughs> mm -hmm. um, you show them. I even think back to, we didn't leave college or intermarried life thinking we were going to homeschool our kids. Mm -hmm. Our entire experience with homeschool kids in college was that they were a bunch of freak shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were not prepared for the world around and had some really interesting views on stuff, mm -hmm. which I won't share on this podcast. Right. But, um, and then we end up in a family's home at our first assignment in Texas, uh, husband and wife, four kids. He had had reduced his active duty time. He was just a, a reservist. So he worked part-time army and part-time full-time or part-time with the, the navigators. <clears throat> and she was a stay home mom with four kids and they homeschooled and we saw a totally different side of homeschooling than we had in our minds. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And that is what caused us to homeschool. It mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't somebody telling us we needed to or showing some biblical reason why it was because we saw it in their lives manifesting in a family that we wanted. And we're like, well, look at that method. It actually does work. Right. Right. Um, and we also um, have some family with uh, some, you know, older kids, uh, older than our kids. And we just saw some of the family and friends, we just saw some of the heartache and just struggles and difficulties that they went through as a result of going to school. And, you know, naively we're like, well, we'll just avoid those things, you know, <laughs> just keep them yeah. home. So, yeah, you know, and, and we'd have friends that kind of joked, like they said that, um, you know, the weekend was for deprogramming. I'm like, well, don't homeschool because, <laughs> you know, you don't have to spend your whole weekend deprogramming, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so th there were some of those examples as well that, um, and, and being in the military, you know, kind of like I didn't want to have to start, you know, try and find a new job every two to three years. We didn't want to have to take them out of school and put them in somewhere new every two to three years. We wanted to have sure. some consistency and just, you know, we just moved all of our books and once we unpacked them, we got right back at it. So yeah, I don't remember what was your original question to that. How do you, yeah. How do you like, okay, you have young woman t today that the homeschool world, the stay at home mom, um, it's so foreign to so many girls today mm. and just so many men, just everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so how do you start to represent that that whole sphere of of you know of the family mm -hmm. to these these young women and even to these young men you know Gabe and Dan where they, that's just so foreign that's it's this is it's like almost in like a new thing right um and obviously Gabe said you know hey we bring them into the right. home and we actually show them and put on display where this yeah. where this is actually operating and look how wonderful this is because i mean we as dan and i have hopefully tried to show over 20 hours of podcasts it really is a wonderful thing mm -hmm. and, and it brings true joy and true human flourishing when when men operate as men and women operate as women and families operate as god intended them to operate mm -hmm. so yeah other than bringing them into the home anything anything else just how you would talk to young women or young man is well most of the time we're talking to gals that are already in the church yeah. so we can easily begin right at the yeah. bible who's the bible yeah. you know or look like once we're married and so i think that's where we start yep. actually 
we're talking to the gals. Yeah, definitely. And that along those same lines, one of the things that that we say a lot, you know, to our kids and to my girls in my study is if culture's pushing it, it's probably wrong. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> like if culture's going right. along with it, take a step back and think about it. You know, is that what God right. really wants for you? Uh, right. And I remember this this same family that we were heavily involved with and um, yeah, and before we had kids, I mean, we would go to their house and we would stay there till two in the morning, just talking, chatting, having ice cream. Yeah, we don't let people do that. <laughs> no, we don't do that here. But <laughs> anyway, one of the things that that um, I just remember the wife saying, you know, that's twenty, you know, twenty years ago now, that someone will raise your kids. Someone yeah. will raise them. Who do you want that to be? And, you know, she wasn't telling me what to do. It was just, it was just a good statement. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I used to always think of it like this too, according to the Bible, I wanted to be able to talk to them all day long about anything yeah. on their mind, you know, the minute they woke up till the minute they went to bed, I did not want them to go off somewhere else for eight hours a day. Somebody else all those yeah, questions right. that's a good point so that yeah. was um just something that we thought was very important we wanted them to be free not to be um fit into a box that the world wants them right. to fit into mm -hmm. but for them to be free to discover who the lord wanted them to be according mm -hmm. to his word mm -hmm. I think right you also the more you get to know them you ask questions about what life was like around their home you know sure well that opens up a whole lot of things that mm -hmm. uh that you find they're not really happy about or would like to avoid in their future you know and um you can just explore those mm -hmm. reasons and why and you know what you know we, we all become our parents eventually right <laughs> yeah. so unless you're conscious about that and have that kind of thrown in your face, you gotta, you don't really realize that it just happens. Well, if there's something you're going to change or a different path you want to take, you need to start thinking through what should that look like? Or why didn't I, yeah. you know, why didn't that work well? So. Missy and I probably grew up very similar this way. I'm guessing where we grew up, where we didn't have mm -hmm. parents around. Right. They worked yep. the whole time. So somebody else was raising us for a good portion mm -hmm. of our day. So that was something too, that once I was a Christian and thought through that, I didn't give it much thought as a child growing up. That's just right. And when I started to have my kids, I thought, I surely don't want somebody else taking mm -hmm. that place. You know, and I think the Lord has given me the responsibility that I should not be passing this on right. to somebody else. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think that's part of the conversation here. Um, because obviously we're talking about homeschooling right now, and even in a podcast, some of you might think that's all we're talking about. But behind the homeschooling, homeschooling became a method, I think. It was like, you know, I know you guys, and we've talked the same way. It was an intentionality. We were trying to do something with our children. You could call it discipleship. I mean, you could call it lots of different things. But um, we were after something, and increasingly, what's really interesting is like when just about the time we got married, we lived in Michigan. And I remember at literally at that time I was working, doing some uh, enforcement work. And um, I remember a, a family who got 
arrested for truancy because they started homeschooling their kids. And, and the, so, I mean, I literally, we were on this first wave of that homeschooling world where here's some parents that got in trouble for doing it. And, but the big thing I say that simply now is that we saw culturally increasingly, um, as Tina just said, you know, we didn't think of it before, but especially as, after we became Christians, and then we started looking at a society we were raising our kids in. And I could just say worldview, right? Like, like they were going to get a world, different worldview right. if they went to public school. They just were. It's a, it's a secular worldview, and it's mm -hmm. even worse yeah. today. And, and there's no way around it. It's what they're going to get. And we really wanted to give them something differently. Now, so the question becomes, how can you accomplish that, mm -hmm. right? And so, again, we were in the same place, similar to probably you guys. Uh, we had a very simple life intentionally and uh, career-wise uh, and we could afford to do to do this you know um, on one income and we had a very started with a mobile home and a very small home and and but it was I guess what I want to say it was an intentionality about raising our family and raising our kids a certain way which then made these other decisions about career and about life and where you live and what you buy and what you do this other stuff was mm -hmm. first. And so I'm not trying to overstate it, but like I was telling Tina the other day, I was looking at some, you know, I like the outdoors and it's kind of comical, like for pretty much all the time my kids were growing up for probably good 15 years, probably 12 or 14. Anyway, I had this pair of leather boots I used for hunting, you know, and I, I bought them at some discounted place because they were two wrongs. There were two that both of them were a different size, but they fit me. And so for like 12 or 14 years, I had the same leather boots and the Lord is very good to me. And, and, you know, I glued them up and I had all sorts of screws in the, in the soles. <laughs> and, and it's hilarious because they were really great boots. I mean, they were great and they lasted me. And I just think, I know it sounds weird, but I'm trying to give an example of like, I was willing to sacrifice that because I would rather my kids grow up in a certain way, in a certain right. way. Mm -hmm. And if it means me to buy, buying a pair of boots, okay, I'm not going to buy a pair of boots. Someday I'll buy a pair. So, so we're looking at our life now that our kids are growing up. It's just comical because I have a nicer, you know, a few pair of boots now. And, you know, you know, it was like delayed gratification, but now I'm 60. and Well, it definitely did mean sacrifice. There's no doubt about it. We sacrificed a lot. We didn't have what the average family had for the most part. We didn't have new cars, and we didn't go on the family trips every year to fancy locations. Our kids couldn't afford to have all the latest tennis shoes and all that kind of stuff. But I think it was a, a worthy sacrifice yeah. to be able to be so involved in right. my life. And that was an, again, that was the intention, right? To Christ. That was, you had a goal. You had a, a, an objective. You said, we want to mm -hmm. accomplish this. What's it going to take us? Well, it meant certain things, even financially for us. And we accepted that willingly and we don't regret right. it at right. all. Yeah. So, so I don't want to, yeah, anyway, as we're talking and, you know, I'm on the podcast a lot with Sam, this is, uh, we, and I know you guys well enough too. The reason we, we all went down this road was we were trying to accomplish something with the kids. And there's probably other ways to do that too. Other people do try other things. I mean, there is Christian school and other kinds of things. Right. right. They're pretty expensive and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes the outcome yep. is not exactly you know what maybe you would hope for 
but you know, there are options. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing because we're, even though this is just a podcast, we're doing this on zoom and I'm watching. <laughs> <Right>. eyes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of it because we, we know people that have said that and we, yeah, we have a Christian school we could send our kids to, but I mean, there's only one left that, that would be in school, but we don't, um, yeah, that's not, that's not going to happen right now. <laughs> uh, we don't want to. Well, the thing is, nowadays, even a Christian school, we even have to think through that because how are the teachers right. educated? Yeah. Right. Are they still going to be influenced, you know, in the world, even though they're in mm -hmm. the Christian? Right. It's not a guarantee. <laughs> not at all. Right. right. So I still think you have to do your homework there if you do that Right. Way. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, even if you give them over to a Christian Christian educators, you're still at the end of the day still responsible for your kids and how they were educated and yeah. how they were raised. Um, but I will I will say this, and this may be another discussion podcast someday, Sam. You may get into, but you know, since with these guys, I have been thinking a lot about that. Just as Christians, the church, I think not that people haven't thought about this before, but I think we're going to have to really think through this education mm -hmm. piece. Because increasingly, obviously, I mean, there's some really wicked stuff that's ideologies that have just totally permeated our right. world. And particularly in this man and woman thing and identities and, you know, all the sexual stuff, transgender, it's a mess. Mm -hmm. And I say that to you because, well, like you guys found, uh, you know, Christian school is expensive. Mm -hmm. And it's for, you know, so if we take the whole church, we say, here's a group of Christians. There's only so many of those people that can really mm -hmm. afford to do that. Right. And and thank the Lord that they've got the means to do that. So, you know, what are we going to do? And I'm just thinking through, like, what would that look like for a church to say, we're going to be really committed to try to provide an education for our mm -hmm. kids? Literally, I mean, to, to the degree you could say, every kid that's a member of this church can be part of this educational right. process. And we're going to, you know, and that, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I could see that as being like, mm -hmm. that's really needed. That's, that's like critical, you know? Right. So, right. Okay, so it seems as though we're 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 all kind of in agreement. <laughs> we're kind of presenting this like, hey, the way that this looks today, uh, you know, a husband and a wife, kids living according to the biblical pattern, is you know kind of a one income thing. The husband goes out, has a career, makes a living. The woman stays home, takes care of the kids, educates the kids. Uh, so homeschooling, all that's kind of wrapped up in this. Um, you know, is that the only way to do it? Is there is there another option? Because uh, obviously people are going to want to push against that a little bit. Is there room for a wife to have a career outside of the home and yet still make this happen? Mm -hmm. um, what if a woman says, a young girl says, you know, I, I will have a career outside of the home and I will also, you know, be a good mother to my children. Is that possible? Is that possible to have both? Because, um, you know, we're, we're kind of... We're, we're presenting this, this, this very, what am I trying to say? Like, this is the way it looks. And I would imagine that there's a lot of people today that would go, you know, there's other options or that's not how it has to look. Or, you know, it's just speaking to that idea a little bit. Like, is there, is there really actually just the way it looks and that's just the way it is? And it's just that simple? <laughs> well, I guess it would just I, depend on what you how you view parenting like 
is that a high call of the woman? Like, could that be your number one and you would be ultimately fulfilled and your children, you know, blessed the most? Or um, could you do both? And even just thinking through that practically, that's like two full-time jobs for a woman. <laughs> the man has, you know, one <laughs> full-time job, but the woman is going to have two because she's going to have to do all the homes, you know, the things around the home, because generally the guy doesn't, well, Gabe, maybe you do some of the cooking, but generally the woman does most of the cooking, most of the grocery shopping. I mean, and I like it that way because I like my home orderly. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, things are so, where they're supposed to go. Right. Dan would just step yeah. on the flowers. And then... <laughs> there we go. There we go. I'm not trying to digress. <laughs> That's all right. It's all fun. I just go out right. and kill stuff, That's bring it right. home, and she cooks it. And it works great. It works great. <laughs> so I just think through two full-time jobs mm -hmm. is really hard. One of them is going mm -hmm. advice if you just mm -hmm. full-time. Right, right. And, uh, you know, and one thing that I say is that you're going to feel a pull if you're like saying like, I, I'm just gonna work full time and it'll be fine and my kids will be fine and I'll spend time with them in the evening. Like you're stepping outside of the way God arranged marriage and you know husband and wife and you're gonna feel a pull and you're gonna maybe feel guilty and you're not gonna be able to do well, do both of them well. <laughs> like I just kind of lay it out there, you know, 100% for them. Um, like, you know, you can try, sure, but I, you know, something's going to give and um, mm. it's just, it's just going to be really difficult, really difficult. And I, I think that's kind of something that we were talking about earlier is like, if your heart and then your actions are set on, I want to, you know, arrange my life the way that God designed me and and what he wants for me and and my marriage if, if you're married and if if that's your focus and you're listening to the nudgings of of the holy spirit i don't think he's going to tell one you know to go outside of that and and not be let your home not make your home your 100 your, your first priority your first priority mm. and your kids and your husband and um you're going to feel it, um, whether you're admitting it or not. <laughs> well, Missy, I think you're onto something. I'm looking forward. I see you. Um, I'm watching Gabe. I want you to <laughs> jump in there, Gabe. But I would just say we have in this podcast, um, you know, if somebody's listened to this the first time, they haven't listened to all the hours we put into discussion. This some application obviously has come up other times when we talked. But I think you're onto it. Is we're saying that God. In the scripture, he clearly does have a pattern and there's like clear spheres, roles that we operate within. Doesn't mean, you know, even Tina loves to cook. It's great. Okay. So could, could, a, could a man enjoy cooking at home? Well, sure. That's, that's not the point. We're talking about there's a primary sphere, a role that a man plays in and, and a woman. And they are different in scripture. They're just different. Mm -hmm. One's not more important or less. That's not even the discussion, right? So we've, we've hammered that out for 20 hours of talking. But the question you have to ask is once you get first things first, okay, what's the scripture's teach? What's my primary sphere? Then you've got to think through these kinds of cultural things and what can I do and what can I do? And as a follower of Christ, there's always sacrifice. You're going to have, 
walk with right. Christ is is a, a small gate in a narrow road. Right. It really right. just is. Mm-hmm. It just is. We're going to have to make that through. And I think one of the things I see is there is this like message out there that you mm-hmm. can do it all. Mm-hmm. You, 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 know, you can be this perfect mom in your home. You can have this perfect career. You're going to go work out and have the perfect body and blah, 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 blah. And the, ne- the new car and the new home. And there's even in that, there's no de- delayed gratification idea. You know, I've been reading about that really. It's like, you're supposed to have all this now. Yeah, totally. And it's like, no. And so even for you guys, Gabe, maybe you could speak to that. One of the things, again, I've watched your guys' life. Maybe you didn't even know that, but like, <laughs> I remember like, no, no, you intrigued me because I remember you know, when you guys were renting homes and you even rented in a place and you moved back in town because you wanted to be closer to college students. But even that, you delayed even buying a place, waiting for God to provide something that was very unique. And you guys ended up by getting this like incredible home for an incredible mm-hmm. price. But you guys waited, waited a long time. And yeah. right. I mean, speak to that, Gabe. I mean, that's intentional living. It's, it's called relational decision making. It's you're thinking through these things and putting priorities in place. Right. And um, there's a lot of things that go into that, you know, decisions years prior to it that allowed for that to happen the way we, we had hoped that it had happened. But I think it even maybe at a deeper level or a bigger picture is the decision that our home would be the center of our life, right? Like, and I think it's interesting that even this COVID time has kind of brought some of that back out, right? Like people are in their homes more. It is becoming the sort, the place where they're being educated, where they're working from. They're actually they, cooking meals they, <laughs> or having or, to figure it out. <laughs> or figuring out a way to make money from the home. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's becoming more of the economic center again. Even if they're just, you know, working at a company, you know, remotely, <clears throat> that, that idea is starting to come back, which is interesting to think about because it hasn't been that way for, you know, what, 150 years, something like that, you know? Um, and we made the decision consciously early on in our marriage that we wanted the home to be the center place, right? So, um, you know, how did, how does that work within our larger mission of raising kids and and investing in people around us and, you know, trying to help college students or whatever was going on at the time? How can that, how can that, the headquarters for that be our home? You know, that that's our from a military standpoint, that's that's the headquarters building, right? Mm-hmm. Everything needs to yeah. go out of that. And kind of along those same lines, like doing whatever we could to protect that. Like if it needed yeah. to be, you know, time to step back, you know, we're not going to say yes to this one. We joke that I, I'm the yes person and Gabe's the no one. <laughs> He's the no man. I'm, you know, the kids don't come to him anymore to ask to do something. <laughs> um <laughs> But like, there's a balance there. I mean, there, there is a balance. I'm like, sure, we can do it. He's like, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, so we, sometimes we end up doing it. Most of the time we end up not, (laughs) but, but protecting that the home is the center. And, um, and yeah, so we conscious intentionality about that over the years. Yeah. And the other thing I was, I, I thought about earlier when Dan probably saw my eyes was, um, if you get those fears screwed up, like we were really just talking, we taught kids in school, right? And, and yeah, there's a marriage piece in there too, right? <laughs> and so, right. Uh, one thing I think I've noticed or even heard a long time ago was that women will tend to choose kids over the husband, 
and husbands will tend to choose their wife over their kids just in general how you you know maybe that means husbands are more selfish i don't know but um but that kind of plays out right if she's completely exhausted from working two jobs and and needs to work on the marriage well that's not going to go very well right so there's an aspect of that too there's that husband and wife relationship that needs to be at a higher level even than dad kids mom kids kind of thing right to keep things functioning in the house well um and that works a lot easier when your spheres are aligned correctly than if you're trying to work on these egalitarian kind of role stuff right mm -hmm. and there are plenty yeah. of times where i mean she does the majority of those things but I do the majority of other things, right? But we overlap a little bit. Now she's mm -hmm. not going to change oil in the truck. I wouldn't let her. Mm -mm. But, <laughs> but I'll go to the grocery store and I'll do that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. Like I was thinking, you know, early on in our marriage, I, I didn't know how to do hardly anything in the kitchen. And Gabe grew up in a house that his mom cooked every single meal. You know, this was a special occasion, and they went out. So he taught me how to cook, <laughs> and I. And then, you know, I learned a lot from his mom and I got recipes from her and, but he would help me through, you know, just some of those things that, I mean, my meals were, you know, three different cans of something and a box of pasta <laughs> It worked out well. And he was gracious and he didn't complain, but that was our first year. Mary. That was our first year. <laughs> but I also had some like health issues that I knew I needed to eat better. And uh, yeah. so we started exploring that together. So, and then when the kids were little, he did a lot more helping in the kitchen. Like he said, he would go to the grocery store, like on his way home from work. You know, it doesn't have to be this black and white, always looks exactly like this, you know, every time. But, you know, now that they're older and I have more time and energy and, you know, I, he doesn't do any cooking <laughs> unless he's grilling something. And I'm, that's fine. I'm a practice. <laughs> right, you're, you're, he's a practice or, yeah. But He's even, with someone. Even underneath that, there was a desire for her to want to do that. There was, right? yeah. Right. If she didn't want sure. that, she wouldn't learn how to cook. Right. I wanted to get better. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of switching gears here a little bit. Uh, you know, the way that our culture, this egalitarian feminist uh, culture, um, it seems to kind of stack the deck against the women. Uh, it seems like the women find themselves trapped more than the men. Uh, in actually living according to their sphere, it seems like this 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 whole society is in a sense robbing. You know, it's 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 affecting motherhood. It's really just destroying motherhood in in, in many ways. Uh, speaking towards the young men now, like how how are men? How are young men being undersold by this egalitarian? You know, equity, equality, feminist type culture. How are they being undersold by this this society and culture today? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one of the things I was thinking about a moment ago when Gabe was speaking, and wish I can remember exactly how you said it, Gabe, but, um, you know, again, Sam, you and I labored this in the pod, in our 20 hours of podcast, but so if I'd say it this way, I'll just try to make it simple. Like God created a world a certain way and he created a moral universe. And when you kind of like violate that, Though on a given day, it may not look like a big deal. There's going to be ramifications and consequences. Mm -hmm. They're just ours, the way life is designed that way. It works that way. And so, like we've been saying, like there are down the road, like you say, Gabe, a simple thing that like doesn't get put into the equation. You don't even think about it. But 
the very thing he was talking about, if the woman's tired, she may not invest in the guy like she could have. You're not even thinking about that when you're doing two full-time jobs, you know, as we've mm -hmm. talked about here. But there is going to be consequences for that. There are, there are these ramifications for it that you can't always like quantify on the table today. And so the more that we try to uh, keep in step with what God's called us to be, um, obviously that we're going to find blessing in that. And again, it's a lot of times it's not like today or tomorrow, but over the long haul, you see this blessing, you see these things unfold. So um, I was thinking about that, Sam. I don't know if this speaks to it. I love Gabe and Missy because I know Missy, you've even said like some of these gals are like, where's the godly men? You know, they're looking for grown up men, right? The men like, lives act and so like I would, adolescents. I mean, they're like, they like, you know, teenage, yeah. young teenagers, yeah, yeah. you know, and junior high boys are awful. Um, but you're talking about, you're talking about these are college women talking yes, about college, college age guys. Men and, you know, yeah. and, and the Christian ones, honestly, the Christian ones are some of the most yeah. immature. That's what they have experienced. <laughs> yeah. The most immature, you know, not yeah. stepping up, like asking a girl out on a date, you know, just, have you know, drive no drive, just goofing off, playing video games with their friends. You know I mean? Like that's it. <laughs> that's just, and, I'm go, I'm, and Gabe and I have a great burden about that. And we've been really intentional about helping our sons. I mean, our sons have their own journeys. I had one son and daughters. Gabe's got two sons. So we've really pursued that. But Gabe and I do ministry together with men and mm -hmm. even young men. And because we are burdened about that. So that would be another discussion for another day about. But but I, but we do see this. So here would be a ramification. You know, this has kind of come up. Think about this. Like this would be one of those things that we can't unfold completely here. I don't want to get in debates about studies and health and that sort of thing. I just simply want to say, you know, there was this thing called the pill mm -hmm. that all of a sudden there was this idea politically or sociologically that a woman is free and in control of her, you know, sex life, if you want to say that, her reproductive life, and she could take the pill and have this control. Well, there's, there, there's huge side effects of that in, in regard to uh, men and manhood because given the basic baser sinful nature of a man, both his natural desire towards, in all fairness, the visual and in towards sex, that's just real. It's wired into a man. Well, then you, you know, obviously you put that into a sinful man and he's going to pursue that wrongly all the time, often. And at the end of the day, what ends up by happening is while it, it sounds like women have been set free, the fact is guys also knew there wasn't a consequence for their sinful actions or their sinful, you know, sexual problems. And all of a sudden women in a real sense, if you'd sit back, you think, Oh, women are left victims again. Yeah. This very thing that's created to say, women go for your own power, go for your own autonomy. You get to have control is actually turn women into victims. And so we have a bunch of young men and they are young men, even though they're acting like boys, that don't seriously look at this, don't seriously say this. And so, you know, uh, young men need to be pursuing wives. And so what, what have we done basically? We've said, oh no, you can wait till you're 30. And here's this guy with raging hormones and a raging desire, but guess what? He gets to go do things with that that are totally immoral and wrong with no consequence, seemingly. Right. There are consequences. And he gets to delay, delay this whole reality when in all fairness, marriage was that context that God right. created for all mm -hmm. unfold. So I go, 22-year-old dude, mm -hmm. like, go get married. Grow up, grow up, and get married, right? So, mm -hmm. Gabe, you can speak to that, too. I mean, yeah, I, you have the a challenge with that is finding a girl who agrees with that. Mm -hmm. or 
right. whose parents say that's a good idea. That's a challenge. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of conversations okay. we end up having with college girls of, well, I can't get married till after I'm done with college. Yeah, my parents won't, you know, they, uh, they won't pay for anything more. Like if I still have to finish school, you know, they've just sort of, I guess, hamstrung, that's right, hamstrung them and said, nope, you can't get married till after college. And even though like they, they feel that tension and they know that, you know, as, as Paul says, if you, you know, you can't control it any longer, just get married. You know, it's what God wants you to do. Right. They know, they right. understand that, but they're like, God, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to do this now. Cause I want to finish school. And yeah. Um, but my parents, well, you know, whatever. So uh, we, we've had conversations with that and, and, um, and I've had conversations with some of my girls to be like, you know, they have a plan and they, they have grad school and they have, you know, the, you know, whatever, maybe PT school afterwards. And we'll say, but, you know, have you, have you thought about what if you meet a good guy, a great guy, a godly man that you want to marry? What are you going to do about that? Where, where's he going to fit in your plan? Is he going to have to wait? You know, it's like, it's just a, it's just a question. Mm-hmm. Just think about it. <laughs> right. So, and, but you said your question was how to, how is it affecting the men? Yeah, how is it uh, this whole egalitarian society undersold men? Mm-hmm. I think it's cutting the legs right out from under them. They they have no um not authority, but no confidence to try and lead a woman well. They Yeah, cuz if they try they're said that's 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 bad. Yeah, you can't do that. Right, you can't do that. You can't, you know, you you can't tell your wife she should not you know, do this, or, or maybe you'd like for her to, you know, do this a little bit better at home or, you know, or something like that. Like, well, you know, husband, you should just do it. And, um, so it's totally, and so, you know, young men are hearing that too. They're, they're either seeing it in their own families or at church. And, you know, men are told that, um, you know, be a servant leader, just serve your wife all the time, serve your kids. (laughs) <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, not, not, I don't, maybe another, maybe another discussion for another day, but um, yeah, because there, there's been time. And I, you know, I, I, you say like earlier, the question, how do you, uh, how do you show it? Or how do you tell them about it? Like Gabe said, invite them in your home. I give my girls, I tell them stories about things that have happened in our marriage and ways that, you know, I didn't agree with Gabe, but I ended up submitting in the end. And you can just see their faces sometimes like, what? Mm. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, and just, just little things that, you know, I've told them like, it's, it's, we've had conversations that it's about, I don't know. I mean, I trust God. I trust God in the man that he gave me and I trust Gabe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's interesting too when you look at scriptures and it says husbands love your wives but wives respect your husbands and those yeah. love your husbands you know mm-hmm. why is that there's a there's a difference there mm-hmm. and um i think men are being undersold one of the ways that they're undersold is they there's a lot of situations now where women don't respect their husbands mm-hmm. um and if you don't respect your husband man things go crazy pretty quick um mm. and when your husband doesn't feel respect, the love doesn't reciprocate, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes just a, there's not a lot of spark in that marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more roommates and whatever. 
And, you know, and bottom line, back to that servant leader thing, like, do you respect somebody that cowers to you all the time? Like, no wonder they don't respect their husbands. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's a little harsh, but. No, I think that's well said. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know. I remember someone saying, and I think maybe this was a message that went towards like, you know, women, you're going to gain weight over the, you know, after you have babies and it's okay. Cause your husband should love you anyway. I think it was along those lines, but it was, it's, uh, hmm, I can't remember who it was, but she was basically saying like, you expect your husband to love you, but are you being lovable? You know, like sure. you being the kind of person that he would love. And I'm not just talking about physicalness, but I think it, it kind of, the, the world was trying to push it towards that way. Like, you know, you're having a bad day. You can treat him awful and he should love you. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> but you're not being very lovable. <laughs> well, we're coming up uh, kind of to the end of our time here. <laughs> time goes by fast. I wish we had more. Um, but as a closing, why don't you guys, you know, as couples, as married couples who have, who have lived godly lives as men and women and husbands and wives and parents, why don't you just kind of, in a, in a description, uh, describe what it means to be a godly man, godly woman, um, godly husband, godly wife. What does that What does that actually look like? Or in a description form, if you could do that. I mean, I think more than anything, if we're not putting, like spending time with God, reading our Bible, you know, like in the word, you know, if you don't, you don't spend time reading the Bible. You're not going to know God. You're not going to understand God and know what he wants for your life, what, how he's ordained things. Um, so that, mm -hmm. that has to happen all the time. <laughs> you know, I mean, every day um, and it can look different each day, but that has to happen. Wouldn't we also, wouldn't we all say that like the center the center of our lives is exactly, Missy, what you were saying. The center of our lives is mm -hmm. Christ is Lord. The center of the deal. He actually communicated with us and told us stuff. Some of it's hard to work out because of our sinfulness and the world we live in, but we've still been called to do it, to be pressed into that mold. I think it's the way uh, Sam and I talked about it. Like There's this mold that God is going to press me into. And when I really submit to God and do what he calls me to do, whether it's standing up and leading or whatever it may be, uh, and through trials and difficulty, it's going to help me become, push me into what he's created me to be. But there's always going to be a pressure to, you know, stay away from that in some way. And you see it culturally and ideologically. And so it comes down to a spirit-filled life, right, of living. But the other thing I would say, Sam, and, and of course I – you can all tell, like, I'm the talkative one. My wife's the quiet <laughs> one. In this case, Missy is just so good at talking, gave smiling and just nodding. <laughs> but my point in all of that is that, again, I think we would all agree, there's something about within a home and a life that I'm to do before the Lord first and foremost. And then, there's, then secondarily, my wife and to my family and the world around me. And so... Um, it's a simple thing, but we would have said, we would say to our kids all the time, more is caught than taught. Like it's about who I am truly behind closed doors and who I really do and how I make decisions. And it's not always the, though there's lots of teaching moments in life, right? But it's about, I do the right thing. 
I live the right kind of life before my family as a man. And that sets a tone, sets something in motion for my kids. And they may not even know it. Later in life, there's something in their DNA, if you want to say it that way, you know, their behavioral life DNA that they just gravitate towards. And it's because they saw some consistency with a mom and dad doing right. a certain thing. Yeah. What, what, what is the essence, I guess, what I'm getting at, what's the essence if you could just a very short sentence, like the essence of that masculinity that you're describing that, that they see, if you could put some words to it. Leader, protector, provider. Yeah. I think those biblical ideals, those biblical ideals, yeah. Sam, like, center it i want to say it needs to be done godly yep. right it's but it's leadership it's initiative it's protection it's justice it's mm -hmm. here's the rules here's the guidelines of life i need to do that yeah. um like gabe and missy were talking i loved it like gabe does that it's not always the 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 favorite thing it's it means my kids might be upset with me why is dad laying the rule down right well if i kowtow to that if i collapse to that i'm actually not re obeying God and I'm actually not leading my family, even though for the day it may look like right. I'm getting along. Right. You know, again, now I can go the wrong way, right? I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm, I'm talking about a godly way that I have been called to do that. All yep. done under the umbrella right. of love yep. because love God and then love yep. others. Yeah. So it's done under mm -hmm. that umbrella. And it's also important. I think when we talk provide, protect, we can't just get caught up in thinking about it from a material standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm supposed to provide yeah. opportunities for her to grow and succeed and flourish and in, a, in an environment mm -hmm. where she's designed to do, right? Some of that's money, some of that's whatever, but it's also giving her a chance to, you know, yeah, I'll cover breakfast this morning, go hang out with your girls. You know, you need to be doing that stuff too. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's not mm -hmm. just, yeah. you know, the Western material right. thinking. Right. Yeah. And, I, and to realize too, um, I think sometimes when these discussions happen, not necessarily this one today, but oftentimes people can leave with women are inferior to men, right? Or that's the perspective. Yeah. When uh, you look at scripture and you look at so many, Dan, I think when we went through that Echoes of Exodus book, which I highly anybody, right? Yeah, right. One of the many sort of patterns that develops in that book before God rescues his people oftentimes there's a signal that it's coming when it's when it's uh lower level women outmaneuvering these powerful men right that that's something that you think of of even like the you know the hebrew midwives or whatever right well there's lots of those situations you go through scripture same sort of theme pops up and i once heard um you know that a powerful man maybe could be overcome by two or three less powerful men, right? They can, they can overpower in that situation, gang up on him. But all it takes is one woman to overthrow a thousand powerful men. Um, <laughs> so there's power in that femininity side of things. It's just how do you yeah. handle it? Where does that happen, right? Where mm -hmm. does it function? Mm -hmm. so. And, you know, I was just thinking on like a, a very practical, applicative way, like, you know, for, for us, it's, you know, it's, it's me not emasculating and talking bad about Gabe when he's not here. Like when the kids come to me complaining and, you know, something that he said or done and, you know, giving into that and talking about all the things that, yeah, you're right. Dad's awful. And look at, you know, how unfair he was and just really trying to lift him up and to protect, you know, like that relationship, I guess. 
um, and, and, and that's respectful. And then this, you know, the flip side is, I don't know exactly what he says to the kids, but I know they've had conversations with him, especially one of our boys <laughs> about me and, um, you know, just always, you know, loving and, and, uh, and respectful as well. And, you know, and, but, um, at the same time, like pointing out, like we're different, it's okay. That's just the way gay, that's the way your dad is. That's the way God made him. You know, it's not bad. He's not trying to, whatever it is. But um, just kind of, I don't know, I think that's just kind of been a theme the last handful of years, especially as our kids are coming into who they are. Is uh, like, God made every one of us individuals and different. And we just have to walk and struggle sometimes and try and see what those are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, you asked me us about the men thing. Uh, Sam, so you gals, what would you say? Yeah, the essence of femininity, make... the essence of womanhood. A few, a few words, mm -hmm. short sentence. <laughs> yeah, the nurturing, you know, side of things. Um, you know, just. Hmm. I, I think where does like like that? I mean, the homemaker side, like knowing, taking pride in the the gift of your home that God gave you. It's not a curse and a burden, you know. It it would be, I don't know. I think it'd be harder to let somebody else come in and take care of all of it. <laughs> but yeah. um, just you know, take that and accept it, and um, yeah, and nurture. You know, your husband. There's times where he needs to you know, uh, don't expect so much from him and let him, I think, especially my introverted husband. Um, sometimes I get offended, but he doesn't want to hear all my stories <laughs> after the day, you know, just know who they are as an individual. And, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Be okay with that. You're acting like a woman <laughs> right now. You're being the caregiver. <laughs> the nurture right right <laughs> that's the, the uh -huh. woman's part right mm. right it's the opposite of the instagram girl <laughs> yeah it really is. truly truly mm. opposite of instagram what? girl you know it's all oh, about outward beauty and whatever mm -hmm. no it's yep that's important right that has to be their relationship yep. but but it's the inner stuff that mm -hmm. lasts mm-hmm Caretaker of the garden, right? right? Yeah. The man is. That's what described. Yep. So if you put vocabulary to it, and that's what it is. Yes. Yeah, that is. Good. So Dan, you need to start gardening more. <laughs> yeah. No. No, stay out of her garden. <laughs> yeah, she likes her. Well, you know, it's been fun to watch because she was so busy. Tina was so busy. Uh, yet. Uh, for all those years, homeschooling five kids and maintaining a home, and I'm out and about traveling and speaking and doing all the stuff I do. And uh, what I watched as we're kind of we're in now and officially in the last two to three years, we're in this true thing they call empty nest, right? And but she still has 25, whatever, 30 years of the nurturing, like just stirring. And I so I, and you guys know Missy, you know, gave her nodding and smiling and laughing, but I've watched her now pour it out in this yeah. gardening world. Right. Yeah. So, so like, I mean, she used to garden, but nothing like right. she does now. I tell <laughs> yeah. people like, this is, all, this is all new. And I watch the same thing she poured into her kids. I watch her 
pouring it into this world of the gardening. It's just really fun to watch. Just caring and nurturing out there every early every morning with her coffee and praying and spending time with the Lord as she walks around this garden at like 5.30 or 6 in the morning. And I'm like, this is this woman I've been with for 37 years. She's just you're doing the same thing she did in a different yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I got to do it with kids and now I'm doing it in the garden. Say, say that again. You had, she had a, she has a great statement. Say that again. But I'm stewarding my domain. Yeah. That's good. Domain and woman is her home and she stewards her home, her family, you know, takes care of her husband. Right. So. Yeah. Right. Now I don't have the children, so mm -hmm. I have a garden. <laughs> yes. And, and, and with that, you know, Sam, again, I know we're running out of time, but like, that would be something we didn't get into, but there's these seasons too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Missy, Missy alluded to that, you know, when the kids were smaller and there was a lot more intensity. And now even you know, there's some loosening up with the kids mm -hmm. being teens and, and it's Tina now, see, you know, you could talk, have this whole discussion about womanhood, but even, you know, say Proverbs 31 woman, I mean, that's, that's mm -hmm. a lifetime, you know, right. and there's seasons of intensity and lesson. And so she's in this new season. And so, yes, um, Tina's developing a home business. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you could say it's even beyond home business. We're developing this garden and we bought extra land and she's going to have this flowering bit home business. Uh, you know, she's going to be the businesswoman, mm -hmm. you know, she's mm -hmm. going to be the business. I mean, LLC, it's going to happen, yeah. you yeah. know, uh, but she wouldn't have done that 15 or 20 years right. ago. That's why I like, I, I liked so, how when you guys said it's a beautiful dance because, you know, there's even within like, you know, what should a woman do? you know like well it's not really black and white you don't have to just stay at home and you know wipe noses clean teach you know that doesn't have to just be your entire day there are other things you can do you know besides like volunteering and you know if there's things that fall into that category that you can make money in i yeah go for it as long as your home is still number one and like you said tina yeah. as long as you're stewarding your domain well um, and there will be times where you can't do both, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's room for that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Well, I think we'll wrap this one up. Maybe sometime we'll have another discussion. Uh, anything's possible. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Dan and Tina, uh, Gabe and Missy, thank you guys for participating in this, uh, this discussion here on, on manhood and womanhood and how it actually looks in, in the real world. Um, and for those of you who are listening, thanks again for, for tuning in to the Preach and Persuade podcast. Uh, again, I, I would encourage you to share it with friends, family, anybody that uh, you would like to listen to this and you think would be a benefit from hearing this, this type of discussion, especially in our day today, uh, which is very uh, anti this, this biblical pattern. But once again, thanks for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye.